Hello and welcome to the Atonicast. As almost always, I'm Alex Roy here with my awesome friends and colleagues, Edward Niedermeyer. Hello, Edward. Hey, Alex. And the never gentle, always authoritative <laughs> Kirsten Korzak. Hello. I heard on Twitter that Kirsten's actually a gentle soul, but um... and that's exactly why I said that. Uh, <laughs> anyone who Kirsten knows that she's gentle behind closed doors, but professionally, um, there's no mercy. Is that true, Kirsten? I think that it's true in both cases. I'm not a gentle person in any respect. Yeah, very direct. <laughs> very direct. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, while you're here, voice of reason. Um, this episode, we're going to discuss predictions for 2020. Some of them are our predictions, and some of them were submitted by you, our gentle listeners. <laughs> yes. And yeah. we've already received a number of them. Um, we put this out on Twitter. So I, I think that it's um, it's great. This is the last day of the year. You know, everyone will hear this when they're solidly in the 2020s, but um, – I'm personally looking forward to the fact that there is not like this awkward description anymore for like the aughts and what do you call the decade in between that. Now we can just say the twenties. Yeah. It was the oddies, the naughty oddies. Yeah. yeah, Also very bad. (laughs) That's like a very bro, bro broy name in my, my view. So guys, let's jump right in people. Well, they want to know facts. Okay. Do they? So right. the the yeah, I mean, I I, I would disagree with that, Alex. Uh, but let's give them let's give them some let's give them some uh, you know fact based speculation. Anyway. Okay, here's a juicy one. All right, you want to go first? Well, well, I think that um we've already received so so many suggestions via Twitter that I see a couple themes happening here. So let's let's start thematically. What do you think is going to happen in terms of um? ADAS versus uh, higher levels of automation. You know, what is the, because the the big thing in 2019, we discussed this last episode was CES really kicked things off. Um, And actually there was some telegraphing the months beforehand, but a lot of companies all of a sudden started putting out products and shifting um, either deadlines, but also their focus um, back to ADAS automakers, um, clearly we're, we're looking for that from suppliers. I mean, Bosch saw their, their revenue increase like 12% for driver assistance systems, um, from 2019 compared to 2018. So, uh, do you expect the, some of the same in that regard, or do you think that we're going to go shift back to, um, being on the full autonomy bandwagon and everyone's gonna, you know, get back on that wagon? This is directed at me. Uh, either one, either one. Let's start with that because I'm getting a lot of DMS questions and also driver um, assistance um, questions here. So, well, here, here's what I'd say. First of all, I don't own personally any stock in any of the uh, tier one suppliers or any driver monitoring system vendor. But I've been saying for four years that um, you know level four is going to be. It's going to be a big deal, but it's going to take longer than expected. Uh, if you're an investor, if you're looking at this space, um, DMS and ADAS is going to be the growth market in a couple of years. It's going to be huge. Okay, so companies like, um, well, Bosch is not publicly traded. All Anyone who's making anything that ends up in ADAS is going to make money. And the, the DMS companies, if this Euro NCAP standard you know, has means anything, if they define what the standard is for a, a DMS, to get a five-star safety rating in 2025, manufacturers have to know years in advance what to put in the cars. And these DMS vendors are pretty undervalued right now. Um, it's weird, uh, and they shouldn't be. And long-term, they're all going to get acquired themselves by the tier by tier ones right. or manufacturers. Okay, so Alex, you see this as like big business opportunities, so that tells me that ADAS is going to continue to be a growth industry in 2020 actually make it more like 15 years and i just there's an entire sector that doesn't exist yet around parallel automation like what tri is doing you know trying to build guardian every manufacturer is going to have to have a system like that especially in areas where level four is not going to work for decades okay so i i generally agree directionally with with what you're saying i don't know that enough is going to happen next year in terms of like actual products coming to market 
to to fundamentally change the place that ADAS or the role that ADAS plays in the market. But I think we will see continued momentum building towards a point that will arrive in um, a year, a couple of years, I would say, uh, where sort of level two or quote unquote level two plus uh, uh, driver assistance systems become more or less commodified. Um, I think that that's, it's going to be something that you're going to see sort of creeping into lower and lower price points, uh, more and more accessible vehicles. Uh, I don't think, I, I think that, that Tesla Autopilot will continue to be uh, the most distinctive of those products because uh, Tesla's lawyers don't you know, make them do things like limit the amount of control authority that those systems have or, or, or limit um, the operating do, uh, design domain. Um, so I think that you know people will like those things, as we discussed in the last episode. People don't want safety. Um, people want want convenience. They want freedom, Ed. So don't take away their freedoms. Exactly. So I, I think that 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 will continue to build. But you know, as as Alex pointed out, um, the market, you know, I mean, the the, the car business moves slowly, right? Um, and it will take the, the there will be sort of in the next couple of years we'll be we'll see sort of the the head of momentum, ahead of steam. Sort of building up around this, um, and and frankly, it'll get less exciting because it'll be commodified. I mean, this is what the auto industry does. Car makers are rarely at the cutting edge of technology, but once someone sort of rings out the 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 the, the challenges with it, um, you know, then it sort of they what they do well is they commodify technology very very fast. And I think we'll see that with level two, but again, it won't just all happen next year. It'll happen over the next couple of years. Well, right. This is, but but it's it's. My big question was, is it going to flip back to where we were back in 2017? And both of you seem to say, no, it's going to be more of like 2019. So are the big winners then going to be Continental, Bosch, other suppliers of advanced driver assistance systems? Um, Or is there room for up-and-coming startups in this space to exist? Are they shut out already? There's definitely room for startups. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and well, in particular in in driver monitoring, as Alex says, and I I will agree with him about that. That that's also going to be an important part of this trend. But I think we'll also start to see maybe as soon as next year, companies announcing, uh, basically following Volvo's lead and putting driver monitoring in cars, even if they don't have a level two or level two plus system. Well, that's the big question. Is you, I, I'm actually not. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure you're going to see DMS in cars. That lack like L2 functionality. But because Volvo said that they would do that, right? Well, well I think they did. You know, something yeah. given that your end cap is five stars is going to require DMS, the, is, the answer is yes. In you certainly in European delivery vehicles, DMS will become standard across pretty much across the board. I think Toyota is going to follow because they follow with, with uh, ADOT, you know, with uh, AEB and FCW. I'd so. say in, in this area, one of the concrete things that I'll be looking at next year, um, or this year, I suppose, if you're listening to this, um, is uh, uh, Nissan's ProPilot uh, 2.0. Um, that is going to be, at least in the Japanese market, it's going to be the first sort of eyes-off system. So it's, it's really going to be uh, more like a level three system than a level two system. Uh, as we know, Audi was going to have a system sort of like that, although even less capable than this, and they backed away from it. Um, if Nissan is really serious about this and thinks it's fully baked, um, that could be a, a really interesting development, and that could push us sort of you know beyond level two into something you know, like I say, more more sort of like level three, which which companies like Ford have been talking about again recently. Do you think that Nissan's current Political issues, problems are going to derail any no. of its technological efforts, or are those separate enough? Well, any, yeah, I mean, any, yeah, it, it may well affect some of them. Um, but I think that this ProPilot two system is is, I mean, it's on the road in Japan, or it's going on the road very soon. Um, and so I think that's for, farther enough down the pipe that it won't be affected by the drama. Um, also, okay. I know it's, the story's back in the news now because of Gones. I mean, that, the Gones story is just fascinating and amazing. But like, Ama- amazing escape, but I don't yeah, think, the greatest Yeah, escape. but I don't think that affects Nissan at this point. I think you know, Nissan has moved on okay. from, from Gones. So uh, you bring up level three, and so this is a good segue um, to talk about things like policy and regulation, and so predictions around that. And so specifically, 
What is your prediction um, with the U.S. in terms of getting any kind of clarification legislation around automation? Well, there's a you know there's a version of the AV Start Act, um, right? But it did not go anywhere. A, this yeah, year. and there's a new one, and it will it will continue. I think to the you know it will. The, there will be people trying to pass it next year. Well, I'm sure that there will be people trying to pass it next year, but what do you think is going to happen? Is it going to, because it's an election year, essentially fail to go anywhere or will there be enough um, support to get it across? I'm going to go on a limb and say that, that, that a version of AV start will pass next year. I don't know, you know how much of it, obviously that's a question. What, what specific uh, uh, planks will get left out along the way? I'm not sure, but, so the other thing that I think will happen on the regulatory side next year is that um, Cruz will finally, after years, get its uh, its waiver from NHTSA to use uh, to have vehicles without a steering wheel. Um, I think there may be one other or two other uh, exemptions passed, but I think the fact that it's taking so long is going to really uh, uh, sort of light a bit of a fire under the regulatory uh, or under the legislative. Uh, approach to this and that you're going to see a lot more effort to uh, to really get some some legislation passed that, that sort of helps provide some clarity so that automakers aren't stuck waiting for years um, for this sort of ad hoc, you know, one one exemption at a time approach to, to work. So um, I will weigh in from Twitter here. Um, I think because people are publicly tweeting, I think they're fine being mentioned on the show. I mean, this is a public forum. So Daniel Hinkle, Senior State Affairs Counsel at the American Association for Justice, predicts AV legislation will be introduced in 30 plus states and at the federal level. Notice he says introduced. So I would agree that there will be a lot of activity. Lobbyists and policymakers are going to be very busy in 2020. What I don't think is going to happen is that there was going to be a resolution. So I absolutely predict a lot of legislation being introduced um, and in possibly some progress, but I don't anticipate a federal, like I don't anticipate at the federal level uh, legislation to be passed and turned into any sort of bill. So one thing I think could happen, and, and look, I mean, yeah, I, I, Clearly, you know, nothing's happened so far. There have been numerous number of attempts. I think that the safe bet is that nothing will happen. Um, but I do think one one sort of limited goal that may happen next year, it may not, it may not actually, but but I think if not next year, then the next year or so, is actually um a new segment will be created, uh, a regular category uh for unoccupied vehicles. So think like Neuro's delivery vehicle. A vehicle that that is designed to never have a human on board has no way of having a human on board. I think that that's a way to to lower the regulatory bar a little bit. Um, introduce a new category because vehicles are have been regulated as though not just that there's going to be a human driver, but there'll be human occupants. So, are you suggesting that there is going to be something that would allow this to um to happen at the federal level? Because you should talk to the mayor of New York about that because that's not going to be okay with him. Okay. You know, I mean, that's the issue with that, that I, this is the sticky part. There can be clarifications and things like that, that are happening at the federal level, but there are, there are mayors and there are county supervisors and there are governors who are not so keen on, or are up or more keen. It depends on the state, right? Um, Right. But but before you even get to the local level, you have to have clarity on the federal level. And so I think that's the, that's the first step. Yes and no. I mean, we've seen, I, I'm going to take a completely opposite take and I'm going to say that there is going to be continued progress and, or depending on the view of the, of the, the city, maybe potentially lack of progress, but certainly clarification at the city, county and state level in terms of what is allowed and what is not allowed and where we're going to see sluggishness and an inability to complete is going to be at the federal level. Okay. You're you're wrong, and that makes you a terrible person. But um, I accept that. <laughs> I love to come in here, guys, but I um, I can't because because, I, because you're uh, running for president. No, he's the man who knows too much. 
<laughs> I know too much and uh, I work for Argo AI, so I can't weigh on this one. Okay. Your silence says a lot, Alex, I think. And that is that you agree with me. Can you say that like what hypothetically would be like if if you could if you could wave a wand and change one thing sort of regulatory like on the regulatory level next year, what would it be? Obviously. We should have harmonization, you know, across all the states. Okay. It's obvious. It's so, good for everybody. So it doesn't matter, for it doesn't matter what standard it. is as long as there's a consistent one across all 50 states. There certainly there should be a standard. Right, but don't, but don't inflate my, my prediction with what I hope will happen. That's two different things. A prediction is what I think will happen, and, what I, and that's what I'm saying. Do I think it would be a, a really smart idea if there was uh, – some consistency? Of course, it would be good for businesses. Business always wants, if above all, they just want to be able to plan ahead. They want consistency. So I would agree with that, that that is the ideal, but I just don't see that happening. Mm. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think that the, the, my prediction about unoccupied, uh, uh, you know, no human occupant vehicles, uh, potentially getting a, a regulatory uh, uh, category for itself next year or, or the year after um, brings us to, I think, one of the other sort of more high-level trend predictions I have for 2020, which is that commercial vehicles are going to become an increasing focus for level four companies. What do you guys think about that? I think that that makes a lot of sense on the business side, for sure. Um, and that we're going to see... Fleets already are using, I mean, they're already the test bed for DMS systems in a lot of ways because they want to keep track of drivers. They're oftentimes um, used for other driver assistance systems and things like that. So that that makes sense to me that that, that would happen first. Alex, I know Argo has been uh, sort of at the forefront of that trend, right? So that's not exactly a new trend from from your perspective, I'm guessing. No, I mean, I, I, I don't know how many companies in the sector uh, are planning deploying, you know, that way. So I, I can't speculate. Can you, can uh, you talk about why um, Argo finds delivery or commercial applications appealing or, or if not appealing, then necessary? Uh, I, I mean, I can't speak. I, again, I don't come on. The, I, I, I can't be on the show representing Argo. I, I understand um, that. But I, as a pro-business person, um, you know, no one knows what the first best application of level four is going to be. Um, Argo is agnostic on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Argo does not control the go-to-market strategy. Right, uh, right. I agree with that approach. That's why I joined Argo. Um, because wherever L4 can and should be deployed, Argo would like to put its stack there. Uh, personally, I don't understand companies that have decided in advance exactly what everything in, in a future autonomous business should be. Right. So deciding in advance, this is the vehicle, this is the platform, this is the audience, this is the market. A lot of moving parts have to work perfectly. And, and traditionally, massive organizations are not well-oiled machines yeah. um, unless they have a singular focus. So Right. So I think that you're on to one thing that I just want to add to that, which is I, I do believe that in 2020, we're going to not just see what Ed predicted but a lot of OEMs and other companies experimenting with different business models, um, like Ford has been doing. But we're gonna, I think we're going to see a lot of little pilots here and there that are somewhat related to AV, but not necessarily on the technical end, more on the business side. Right, right. So essentially, we're saying that um, you know, even though the the Technology is becoming increasingly mature to the point where companies like Waymo are doing driverless. Um, as Kirsten, as you and I sort of saw in in Chandler uh, in our time with Waymo, uh, there's still a lot of work to do to really make the business part of that work, um, and that's going to take a lot of testing and experimentation. I think we're sounds like we're all on the same page about that. Yes. Greetings, Atonicat Nation. Pardon the interruption. We know you're all anxious to hear the rest of the show, but we need a minute of your time. Actually, Kirsten, we need a few minutes. Okay, fine. Well, let's be clear. We don't need your time as much as your information. You might have heard that we have created a survey. 
Hold up, let's provide some context here. What started as a fun side project has turned into something much bigger than we ever expected. And so it's time for us to grow up just a little. And to do that, we need to better understand our audience. We created a survey to do just that. The data fields are mostly optional, but the more you provide, the more you help. Importantly, we will never share your personal information with anyone. Filling out this survey is the most effective way to help us make this podcast everything it can be. So please take a few minutes to visit atonicast.com slash survey and help us understand who you are and how we can improve. Thanks. What do you think is going to happen at the city level in terms of dealing with congestion and emissions? Um, Dana Hull from Bloomberg says more cities will move to ban cars from their downtowns. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's that's been happening, right? I mean, we have in is it Barcelona has done the super bang. We've seen New York uh, ban cars from what just like a couple block area. Um, I think I think that's a no, they didn't ban car. Well, to be clear, uh, vehicles are allowed, just not it's buses only. Okay, so car cars are banned. I mean, that's the privately owned cars. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a I think that's a a fair uh, prediction. I think that the, that's likely to happen more and more. So, and frankly, as as we've discussed on the show, I mean, it's it's it's. I think even from a, a car person perspective, even if you like cars and enjoy driving yourself, that's not a bad thing. So, a bit in the same um, vein, Jonathan Gitlin, automotive editor for Ars Technica, says electrification of buses and other medium and heavy duty vehicles will be more of a thing. I'm assuming that he means by more of a thing that we'll see that a lot more often. So, um, you know, I think companies like Proterra are certainly going to and have seen a lot of growth. I'm very curious to see what happens at the light duty truck level. Uh, I've long said that that is an area where I can't believe that there aren't a million companies trying to electrify these things because they're constantly all around cities in any city in California, for example, or in, in any city in a state that has stricter emissions rules, um, this would seem to be a, a natural area to pursue. And um, so I'm curious to see if there are going to be any other companies that pop up um, providing. And we've seen a few, right? But um, I'm, I'm curious to see if there'll be more. I don't know if there will be more and it will just be controlled by, you know, a few larger companies deciding. Is there a prediction in there? Um, I guess I'm like talking myself into a prediction right now, Alex. So thanks for pointing that out. So the uh, our friend Nathaniel Horadam at the Center for uh, Transport and the Environment um, notes in his sort of end of the year review blog post that, um, and he he tweets about this a lot. Um, but but they're they are they've put together a. a a campaign essentially to support electrifying school buses. So I think that's a really interesting um, application. I think clearly, you know, anything with a fixed route uh, allows you to sort of know exactly how much range you need for that vehicle. Um, and uh, that makes electric, battery electric, um, a very attractive uh, opportunity. And so, yeah, I think we're going to see you know, more of that. And I think, I think this is, it's funny because, you know, I've been very skeptical about about the idea that, right, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, autonomous, connected, electric, and shared all necessarily fit together. But I think there are clearly uh, situations where they do. And I think that, like, school buses is a great example or other kinds of fixed route delivery or things like that. Um, it makes fixed routes make autonomy easy. They make electrification easier. Um, and, and they're sort of intrinsically shared to some extent. Um, so I think school buses and, and buses and fixed route delivery um, are, are going to be where we're going to see a lot of really interesting developments, which brings me to sort of another point, which is that I think we're going to see sort of, uh, the, the autonomous industry in particular really start to, um, increasingly break down the belief that, um, that cars, that, that autonomous vehicles are going to be cars that drive themselves, self-driving cars. Um, we're seeing, uh, so cruise has uh, an event scheduled for this January um, called Beyond the Car. They're going to show um, some kind of shared vehicle, and they're framing it as an opportunity, you know, that, that AV tech provides the opportunity to blur the line between 
what we have thought of for a hundred years as a car and public transportation or public transit. Um, I think that's going to be something just, just as we see uh, AVs as commercial uh, applications becoming more, more of a focus. I think we're also going to see on the, on the people moving side um, experiments and, 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 and efforts to, you know, blur that line between shared and private between public transit and a private car. So is there a prediction in there? Yeah. Yeah. I think more, more companies are going to fall. There's a long winding one. Like let's get, give me, give me a Twitter prediction, 140 characters or less. Yeah. More, more AV companies are going to show products um, for that, that emphasize the shared applications for AVs um, and, and particularly ones that, uh, that do what public transit does. So not just robo taxis, but but something more like a dynamic but routed, you know, shuttle bus, a jitney, for example. I think the jitney form factor is one that's going to uh, uh, become a lot more popular with AV companies. I predict that um, many companies will regret that their AV go to market vehicles don't look more like the canoe vehicle. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and also I I that is a really good segue to remember last year, I believe it was last year that Toyota showed the e-palette. Yeah. And we've got the Olympics coming up and in Japan and I I you know, they've already talked a lot about like their plans for the Olympics, but I absolutely think that there we're going to see a lot of experiments around the use of that as a frame and again a fixed route type of shuttle system um this is going to be something that we're going to see during the olympics but then maybe like you know continuing on afterwards uh, kind of going to your point of you know alex's point about canoe um and your point about you know not being these self-driving vehicles um as as we think of them today but more of a shuttle type framework Yep. And, and that e-palette, by the way, is also, um, right. That, that shows a, a sort of commercial vehicle, a, a really interesting one, not just delivery, but, but actually retailing out of, um, these sort of rolling self-driving stores. Um, I think we'll see that at the Olympics too. And, and you know, Toyota has said that that's going to be their focus for autonomous drive technology in the short term. So one thing that um, I want to address, and it might be a little too early for 2020, but I'm going to predict it anyway. Um, All this talk and predictions about um, electrification around um, buses and um, school buses or uh, trucks, but also eventually, especially when it comes to companies like Zooks and Cruise around um, their autonomous vehicles, because they've said that they're going to be electric. I think that companies are going to be positioning in cities um, now making some land grabs to ensure that they have hubs for maintenance, operations, EV charging, and they're going to be thinking about that strategically within the cities and where they intend to operate. Because if they don't have that, then they're going to be missing a major part of the infrastructure. So behind the scenes, I think that there are that's already happening. Um, and that they are already looking at places like it, we've already seen that with with crews. They they have actually a massive charging um, center yep. in, in San Francisco. But th- uh, yeah, but I think that we're going to see more of that. Um, and again, I know it's a little early to be saying this, but I I believe that if we were in these private you know office meetings, that they would be planning and probably acquisitions or leasing arrangements being made work with, um, you know, major real estate companies to secure these areas, because that will be the foundation of when they do eventually deploy, even if it isn't full autonomy or, you know, as they scale up, I mean, it's just going to be required. I agree. I predict that Cruz will announce the second city. Oh, that's oh. a good, that's a good prediction. I just made that up. I have no idea if it's true, but if they don't, they have a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, they're stuck swallowing the cactus. Yeah, well, yeah, the cactus of mobility is, is hard to swallow, <laughs> harder to pull out of your throat. But I mean, if if in risk, when you play risk, you put your pieces on the board, and then after the pieces on the board, then you start to fight. You better put those pieces down. Yeah. Because those depots, the infrastructure that Kirsten refers to, is expensive and time consuming, and once it's gone, it's gone. Um, 
you know, Cruise is a massive installation in a very expensive part of San Francisco. And, and as I understand it's, it's close to, you know, it's inside their fence, I suppose. Um, but, you know, look forward five, 10 years that those parcels of real estate aren't, they don't just appear. Right. right? Which is why I think that there's going to be some like land, not land grab is a little bit of a strong term, but, but I do think that there is going to be some, some shuffling around this year, maybe not really publicly known, but I'd absolutely assume that that will be happening behind the scenes. Well, think of it this way, you know, this race to autonomy narrative that we all hate and anyone who uses it in their headlines, a jerk. I purposely use it in leads all the time, but I put it in quotes just for you, Alex. I know you do. I know you do. Because <laughs> you're, you're not a gentle soul. Um, what happened with the scooter wars in San Francisco, where they capped the number of scooters per company and then they capped the number of permits for co- total companies, um, that, that cannot happen in the AV sector. L4 is inevitable. What's not inevitable is a successful business built around it. Yeah. And for that to occur, you have to have the real estate, you have to have the political relationships, and you have to have you have to be ready for a permit war to erupt around AV licenses for city deployment. Right. And if you know, the, uh, I forget is the organization the IBTTA, International Bridge and Toll Booth Tolling Authority. I think association. It's the guy. It's the consortium of all the companies who manage like you know toll roads, hmm. um, and they have you know these very long contracts with states. You know, five, ten, twenty year contracts. And if you know, companies going to invest tens of millions or 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 a lot more on a building and political relationships and community relationships on the ground. Um, that's a, you want to have your piece on the board. So Cruz, you know, which is a lot, you know, a lot of serious investors needs to look past, uh, San Francisco or they're going to find themselves boxed in in five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and in particular, if you want to deploy in 2021, um, you need to be making these investments next year, basically. So I think the timing is actually good. Or, yeah, I mean, really you should have already been making some investments already or thinking ahead. Here's a fun one. Um, so if Cruz in, announces a next city, what would make the most sense? Because, I mean, they have in the past tested in Scottsdale, but a very few number of them. So they could do a more um, AV-friendly state like Arizona. I, I'm afraid I cannot comment, obviously, because, you know, Argo is, you know, Argo, Cruz, and all these companies are looking at the same map. The only question is whether the model they're building around their their stack, um, you know, can be made profitable and on, on some reasonable timeline. Um, right. So, well, then I will cast my bet as they'll either gonna if they do go to a second city, they will show up in either Arizona, Texas, or Florida, and specifically in Texas, maybe Austin. Specifically in Florida, maybe Miami. And specifically in Arizona, maybe the Phoenix suburbs. But that's just like a wild guess. Well, Uber did announce, what was it, uh, testing, mapping, and was it Dallas or Houston? Well, so the Dallas-Fort Worth area has been interesting. We've seen a number of uh, pilots, uh, AV delivery pilots happening in and around there. Um, there's also Austin is another area that's that's become sort of an interesting area for for testing and also where where micromobility and stuff has popped up as well. Ooh, let me take what you're saying and I'll take it a step further. Okay. Any from any uh, AV company that announces um, every AV company that's serious has to announce more markets for next year, even if it's just mapping. And anyone who doesn't announce more markets is is um, looking for an acquisition, looking to be acquired. Mm. Zook will not announce any more markets. They announced Vegas, is that right? Yep. And then they have a pilot in California. If you're acquiring somebody, you don't want to be, you know, glued to commitments they've made um, that are expensive to unwind. Okay. But as far as California goes, I think um, CPUC will be pressured. Uh, and it's a little stretched to say it'll happen in 2020, but I'll go ahead and go out on a limb. Um, CPUC will, will be pressured to allow AVs to offer paid pilots. Right now, they have to be non-commercial. I think that they will back away from that. I think there's a lot of pressure. It's one thing that everybody in the space seems to be uh, seems to agree on is that you know it's not really fair to force them to sort of not collect any revenue for these 
you know, initial deployments of very expensive technology. So I think that the CPUC will be pressured to back away from that. So I would agree that they'll be pressured, but I'm going to take the opposite view that they are going to cave because I listened to the entire like freaking nine hour workshop that was streamed online that they had in which just about every company stood up and um, addressed, you know, the CPUC and, and pushed for the ability to, to um, charge for rides. And at the very end, um, I don't have my notes in front of me, so I don't have the person's name, but one of the commission members basically said, listen, our job isn't to help you prove out your market like strategy. That's not our job. Our job is XYZ. And, and the primary goal was to see if the data allows us to understand how AVs will work in cities. Um, and that comment was so telling to me. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't change, but that showed me a, the, a CPUC that's digging in its heels, not one that was looking to extend, you know, any sort of uh, compromise. I think the argument is going to be, look, you know, venture capital is not flowing as freely to the AV space as it was. Um, we have to show our investors that we at least, you know, as we were saying, right? Like these companies need to experiment on the business side as much as they need to. Yeah, but are they really going to be making, I mean, these, as, as we've seen with Uber's uh, quarterly earnings, I mean, ride healing operated by a human yeah. is... Uh, not generating profits, you know, that's generating revenue. And the argument that uh, autonomous vehicles will do that because they don't have a human driver, we can't really say right now because of the fact that a human safety driver has to be in the vehicle. Right now, there isn't driverless ride hailing yet. Right. In California. Well, I mean, there isn't. Zooks has a permit, right? To Or is that Waymo has the, the driver permit? Waymo has a permit, but it's, it hasn't happened yet in California. I mean, that could change. That that could change, but... Right. Basically, that, 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 the unit economics issue, like the argument that they need to be making money... We don't know. But the argument that, that they need to be making money, so that's why they should be able to charge doesn't fully prove out because they're never going to make enough money to cover the cost of operating and developing autonomous vehicle technology. That's not the argument though. The argument is that they need to understand what kind of prices people are willing to pay. Um, You know, will people pay more for an autonomous vehicle than one driven by a rando with sure? Yeah. I just don't don't know. They need to understand the market. I just don't think the CPUC necessarily cares about that desire. I, I'm not. I'm not maybe, disagreeing maybe not. with the need to do that. I'm just. I don't think the CPUC thinks that that's their charge, and so I. Don't, I just think they're resistant to that idea. Okay. Well, maybe we'll see. We will see. That's that's the <laughs> that's the point of predictions, right? <laughs> you don't know. Um, okay. Well, we've got a couple of other um, predictions, and then I want to go through like a quick list, and I'm going to just name companies, and then you guys give your hot takes. Okay. Uh, we have. I have an interesting one I like to throw in here, and it is. Uh, a t- from Michael Sweeney, who's a screenwriter, but has some really interesting comments uh, on Twitter about transportation. Um, autonomous vehicles become an issue in the 2020 presidential election, but in a way we don't anticipate. That's an interesting one. I like that prediction. Would you like to anticipate what that would be? Uh, gee. I mean, the scary version is like, used in some sort of like hacking terrorism type of event, yeah. but that's pretty morbid. And I don't know if I want to go there. All right. So, uh, it, it is, uh, the most common, uh, you know, uh, attack on AVs is that they'll take jobs. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, so if, and, and that is, you know, debunked by history or at least new jobs are created, which fill the vacuum. Right. So uh, a candidate could come along and say that AVs are bad. I could, I could see Trump doing that. Yeah, and smother intelligent conversation and information suggesting that AVs are good, yep. a, net pub, a net societal good, which I believe. And then AVs become a left-right issue, which is bad. Because AVs should not be. Uh, safety should not be a left-right issue. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've already seen how people with uh, a big uh, soapbox can frame the conversation around AVs in ways that have no real bearing on the reality. 
or no real connection to the reality. And uh, that is a situation where that certain kinds of politicians will always want to exploit because if they get out in front of it and they make an issue, it they can frame it, they can set the terms of the discussion, and it could distract from potentially other arguably more important issues. And, and a lot of politicians like to do that too. So I think that, I think that Mr. Sweeney is, uh, is, is a very astute prediction, uh, especially the twist that, you know, we can't tell exactly how, how they'll do this, but, but that it will somehow make, become an issue. So speaking of the on the jobs part, what do you th- you know how this year or yeah, 2019 was kind of the rise of in small way of teleoperations and teleoperations being a new career, a new type of job. What do you think 2020 is going to be in terms of job opportunity or that we hear more about? Is it going to be um I feel like in 2018 it was safety driver because of the Uber crash unfortunately, which prompted that discussion. 2019 was teleoperations. Is 2020 going to be lobbyist, government relations person? I predict that um, there's going to be enormous job growth among operations people, including what Argo calls test specialists, safety drivers. Um, because you have to, if you're if you have a foot in, you've got to you know investing in this sector, you've got to put both feet in. So there's going to be a lot of job growth in operations in Europe and in the United States. Yep, fleet fleet management and government relations. I think you two have nailed it. I run into a lot of guys. Like last night, I had dinner with a guy named Sean Keeley, who's an old, I guess, internet no, friend of mine who's in the U. in the Army. Guy went to West Point, like knows logistics, and he said, "Oh, I really want to work in like automotive media." I'm like, "Are you insane?" He's like, oh, "I don't know." <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, if you are coming out of the military and you have operations knowledge, you should be applying to every well-funded AV company." Because we need people like you. If I were smart, I would I would ditch you guys and get a job in government relations somewhere. Yeah, if you were smart. Yeah, if you were smart. If I were smart. Yeah, Instead, you you're smart. stuck with me. I think that we should transition to company prediction slash hot takes. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think we should start with Waymo because Patrick Hunt of Rivian uh, had had a prediction about Waymo. So I thought we could start with Waymo and then we can just go down the line. How about that? Sure. Sure. Okay. So Patrick Hunt of Rivian says the reality of Waymo's autonomous operations will start to sink in nationally. It will be a real Jetsons technology story by the end of 2020. So Waymo. Uh, disagree because even though I have a lot of respect for Waymo, um, I think they shot their wad comms wise. And, <laughs> and even though, no, seriously, okay. I mean, even though I was the first guy to get in the car driverless, it's cool. We've seen too many self-driving headlines. And Waymo is going to, have to fight against that. So, do you think they will do? I guess. I guess I would also a bit disagree with that as well because it might start to sink in. But Waymo would have to do, I think, something really on Waymo like and do something really flashy and create like out there to get people to be like, "Holy crap!" Because how the slow way that they have trickled news out since. I mean, really, the first driverless ride they gave was back in what, 2015 in Austin, it was a little 10 minute ride. And so a lot of people just, you know, it's the same thing when people say my, my Tesla is a self-driving car. Um, there's a lot of, um, dare I say, ignorance around uh, what is self-driving and what is not, and what is a milestone and what is not a milestone. And so I don't know how all of a sudden people think, oh my gosh, it's here. When actually, mistakenly, they thought it was here a year or two ago. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I'm not sure what what Patrick means by by Jetsons, um, but I, I agree. I mean, I think that you know, Waymo has a tough communications challenge because the I think people's just under you know understanding of what you know autonomous vehicles are here, quote unquote even means um, they are here obviously to some extent and now they are just going to be sort of building that out. I think the big um, goal for Waymo that I would like to see them hit this, this next year is um, uh, operating rides to and from the airport um, in, in Fe- the Phoenix airport. I think if they can do that, uh, they open up a, a really important uh, part of uh, you know, business uh, of the ride hailing business, it's it's the most important destination for ride hailing companies. Um, um, and I'm also very curious to see 
is that something they can solve uh, purely by evolving their stack and their software? Or is this something that will require um, an infrastructure fix, you know, an actual dedicated depot or something at the at the airport? Is there a prediction in there? Yeah, I think they'll. I, I think that they will try. They will be able to start doing airport rides by the end of 2020. All right, next company, Amazon. Amazon. I mean, I think they're. I, I don't expect much more besides the the um, the Rivian deal at this point. I think they're. That's. I predict that there will be more leaks about Amazon researching autonomy, or they're going to partner with an AV company. Okay, Apple. I don't. I don't. I don't know that they they even know what they're doing yet. Same thing. Um, we're going to hear more about what they're really doing, or they're going to partner with an AV company. I think Amazon's going to probably take advantage of the consolidation that was is going to happen and beef up some of their their um, technical needs. Um, they're going to push more in automation, and they're obviously deeply interested in logistics and making that as efficient as possible. So, um, Apple, yeah, I'm not sure what they're doing, and I don't think who knows. Um, should we move on to OEMs, or should we mention Argo in here? Because Alex, I know can't. Alex, what's your prediction for Argo? <laughs> uh, an amazing company full of happy people. Um, I look forward to more friends joining. Uh, amazing. They can do no wrong. Okay. <laughs> That's incredibly biased, but we'll allow it. Well, if, the, if yeah, as long as I'm there, it's the greatest thing of all okay. time. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would, I would expect, I would expect heads down and I'm really interested to see how Argo balances Ford and VW. Those are two companies that um, demand a lot. So I'm not sure if it will completely play out in 2020, but I'm sure I'm, I'm very curious to see how that, how that balance happens. Yeah. I mean, I think Argo, they have their hands full with, uh, uh, you know, VW and Ford partnerships and they're working towards a 2021 deployment in Miami. So I think they've got their, their dance card is pretty full. Um, I expect them to be kind of heads down and executing. Okay, uh, Uber? I mean, Uber still apparently has a lot of people. Uber ATG, we're talking, has a lot of people still there. So either they wind down and all those people go off and either start their own companies or join others, or they actually start doing something. And I just don't know what they're going to do. Well, let's game it out. You're Uber. You have like five cities are like the majority of your revenue. Um, if too many other companies building AV stacks put their pieces on the board in those cities and begin to deploy, then you know the notion of developing your own stack for use only in secondary cities doesn't make a lot of sense. So uh, Uber is tied up with I mean, how many companies are now into Uber? Um, SoftBank, Toyota. Toyota SoftBank. is the main one. Um, but they have some, I, I've lost track of the relationship with Volvo. Does anyone remember what it is? Mm, it doesn't sound like like much anymore. Uh, it w- I think it was only just a, a, a supply. They were basically supplying vehicles. Alex, do you think that the that the yeah, one of the conspiracy theories I've heard is that SoftBank could force a merger between Cruise and ATG since they're big investors in both. Do, do you think that's going to happen next year? No, uh, but why not? I, I think that's pretty soon. Um, okay, but you think it might happen later? You know, I think a lot of people on both sides of the deal would have to recognize that they can't move forward successfully without the other, and I'm not sure enough people exist on both sides of that deal right. who believe that. Um, yeah. And SoftBank has to feel a lot more pain in general before they start fo- even pushing for such things. So I don't see all those things falling into place. So you're saying their their dog walking app has to go bankrupt first? or <laughs> <laughs> I... I, I, I can't no. speculate, but I don't see any of that happening th- in 2020. I think I think SoftBank is going to have a very interesting 2020. Uh, I think they're they're going to they're they're going to start feeling the pressure more and more over the course of next year, and that's going to be interesting to watch. Is 90 percent of the second tier AV developers uh, and second, third, and fourth tier are going to go away? Okay, uh, let's do the last few automakers. GM. Well, I think we covered that. I mean, besides what their connection is to Cruise, are they going to be doing anything else? Any acquisitions? I predict that Super Cruise 2, second generation, 
is going to be terrific and no one's going to care. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be brilliant. They have great folks working that stuff and the seeing machines folks are smart. Um, and it's all great until you get to the marketing and strategy and then it falls apart. Okay. Hmm. Well, we know it's going to, it's going to debut on the next, uh, Escalade. So, so um, it, it'll, it's already starting to, and I think it's going to be on all Cadillacs. Is that right? Right. All Cadillacs. And then eventually it's going to go to other brands. I, let me tell you, I, I'm not, you know, this is not a job I want, but if you are really into safety and cars and care, um, then the job of jobs is like the super cruise PM and like fighting to get that across more GM products. So anyway, one, so one interesting thing, if, if this, uh, uh, cruise product is going to be, a uh, a van or like a, a jet bus or something, you know, is that going to be made by GM or is it going to be made by Honda? Cause I think some of Honda's investment may have been manufacturing credits. Not sure. Um, it would be funny if it is, a, if it is, it ends up being a GM product, uh, it means GM will be back in the bus business where they were so many decades ago. So that that would be interesting. Hmm. What about Ford? Well, the deployment coming up in 2021. I, I can't speculate because I know too much. The Mach-E, the first Mach-Es are coming in twenty end of 2020. Is that right? Uh, Correct. Um, and I saw it, uh, earlier today, Mike Levine, who's a big guy at Ford, said that uh, uh, tweeted at uh, Marques Brownlee, you know, the multi-million uh, right. driver, YouTuber, um, who's a big Tesla guy, that he uh, would get a Mach-E in Marques' hands. And I predict uh-huh. that um, people are going to love the Mach-E. Um, and, uh, and then the, the primary complaint from the Tesla side is going to be like, oh, the uh, ADAS isn't as fun and hands-off as autopilot. But I think the Mach-E is going to be actually quite successful. Yeah. So, okay. So that brings up Tesla, which we've done a very good job of ignoring, but like you can't talk. Hey, I'm in control of the You list. can't talk about I'm in, 20, I'm in control predictions and not at least mention Tesla. I, let me get, we're going to finish with it. So just relax. Right. <laughs> Simmer down. Okay. FCA, PSA, and Toyota. All right, FCA PSA are merging. As I said, I think they're gonna they're gonna get in deep with Aurora, maybe even make a big investment there. Um, I, th- I okay. see those guys hooking up. Uh, Toyota. Uh, Toyota's gonna take it slow and steady. Continue to push. Cars. Yeah, they're they're not. I don't. You know, they they don't have any big goals in the short term. Um, maybe maybe get deeper in with uh, with ATG. That's one possibility. Um, maybe they'll merge sort of some of TRI's operations with that. I think they're going to have an interesting 2020 because they, um, you know, a, a much smaller company, but they've invested in the OEM, not not the venture arm, invested in May Mobility. They've yep. got the Olympics coming up. They already introduced the ePallet a year before, going on now two years. And I, I, I think that while it's slow and steady, I think we're going to see some of the products of of what they started years ago. Yep. Um, and I'm not so sure how it's all going to play out, but I, I, I expect 2020 to be a big year for them. So they're, they're focused, they've stated their focus is on commercial applications. And I think you can imagine something like the e-palette um, using something along the lines of what May Mobility has been doing. So yeah, I, I think that that's, if they're going to do anything this year, like they commercial vehicles and uh, May's technology is, is going to be an interesting place. Okay. All right. Um, whatever company that Carlos Ghosn is heading up. Uh, I predict that Carlos Ghosn will sell, um, will sell his life rights. Or if he doesn't, then a film script will be sold based on him within 60 days. <sighs> okay. My prediction for Carlos Ghosn is that he is going to create a new alliance of all of the rejected or shuttered um, AV and AV related companies. And it's going to be like the land of misfit AV toys. Hmm. Next. <laughs> no joke. No laughing. Well, I mean, so they, they have the, so, so Nissan Renault has the, the Waymo partnership. I'm looking forward to finding out more details about that. Um, right. Uh, Nissan, Nissan has also been working very quietly on an AV development program. They've been very under the radar. Um, I'm curious to see if, uh, if anything happens there. Okay, and finally, Hyundai. Uh, they'll, they will stay quiet because they made a good investment in Aptiv, a nice size investment, and they need to pan out. 
Oh, All right. Excuse me. Okay. Well, that's it. That's the show. God damn it, Kirsten. What about that? <laughs> All right. Fine. You get exactly three minutes to give your predictions for Tesla. Go. I want your predictions, though. I want I want the I want everyone to be mad at you, not me. Um, Kirsten, look, get on the record here. Is Tesla going to have? Uh, a million level five vehicles by the end of 2020. No. No. Uh, I agree. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I do too. Where, where do you think they'll be at the end of 2020? I think that that'll be interesting. Okay. Um, in terms of autonomy. Uh, sure. The clock is ticking guys. I know. Um, okay. You should just try to burn up the three minutes. Right. No, no, no. Because, um, well, there's a lot to talk about about Tesla, but let's just focus on the autonomy part. I believe that they will continue to improve the capabilities of the, what, there's the so-called FSD or full self-driving feature, um, that it will not be level four or level five, um, but perhaps there will be some tinkering around or some piloting of kind of a robotaxi model, which won't be a real robotaxi model, but I would suspect some, you know, gesturing around that. And, um, and I do expect there to be some potentially some issues or having to do some retrofits on the hardware side eventually. But I don't know if that's going to happen in 2020. Okay. So that's why I hesitated. But um, I think that we've heard from a lot of people who um, who are experts in this field who believe that they don't have the hardware capability um, to actually pull off the level that we're talking about. Yeah. And um, and so I it, it will there will, a decision will have to be made internally, and I think that that decision will have to be made in 2020, whether we ever find out about it or not. You know, is the question. Yeah. So is that I, good enough? Is that, that, no, that's, enough? I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't hear a prediction in there, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, I look, I, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I think that there will be some big stories in 2020 about full self-driving and, and how it's been developed and, and why it frankly won't, won't happen. Um, I think that Tesla's response to this, they're going to just, they're, I think they're going to drag it out. I don't, I, you know, they're, they're going to, sort of slowly add more sort of visualization and maybe even a few little some you know feature kind of modules um but it won't fundamentally change from uh, what it is now a system that requires backup uh, a level 2 system um but i think what they'll do uh to address what i think will be some tough stories for them over the next year is they will change the story. I don't think they're going to change the product. I think they're going to change the story. And the story is going to be all about them manufacturing their own battery cells. I think that's going to be their their way of getting through 2020 without delivering full self-driving. Way over three minutes, guys. Yeah. Alex, one or two words on Tesla before we wrap this puppy up? Um, no. We know, you, we know you own a Tesla and that you love it. So like mm, you've said that before. Them. If, if Alex has nothing to say, I'll also say I predict that uh, regulators will not do anything about autopilot in 2020, even though I think they could and 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 arguably should. Um, I think we'll see we'll see the um, the two pending investigations, which are Walter Huang and uh, Jeremy Banner. Those investigations by the NTSB will come out, and I think and, and NHTSA will do nothing, even even though those investigations will show that the same predictable abuse problem exists in both of those those instances. I, I still don't think NHTSA will actually do anything. Okay. And now Alex. Um, and that's a wrap. Isn't it a wrap? I think it is. It is. So if you if you want to discuss my 20 predictions, um, if you want to discuss the state of autonomy over the last year and and looking forward uh, to the next year, and <laughs> you happen to be uh, a player in the space, uh, it doesn't have to be with a big company, it can be with a small company, uh, come join us in Las Vegas, where we will be for CES next week, or maybe this week if you're listening to this. Um, uh, drop us a line, Ed, Alex, or Kirsten at Atonicast.com. We'd love to talk with you about uh, your uh, predictions about the next year of autonomous drive and mobility technology. Uh, and we'd love to do that in person in Vegas. If you want to follow Ed anywhere, it's 
Tweetermeyer on Twitter, and that's all that matters. Um, Kirsten, you are Kirsten Korosek on Twitter. Is that right? Correct. Uh, I'm Alex Roy 144. Can I plug my other podcast? Yes. Um, my other podcast is No Parking. It's No Parking Pod on Twitter. And if you haven't seen it, the second greatest car movie of all time after Senna is my movie, Apex, The Secret Race on iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play right now. Wait, you mean after Ronin, right? Senna after Senna. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Well, with that, we uh, will wrap up another year of the Autonicast, and we are looking forward to discussing autonomous drive technology and the future of mobility with you in 2020 on another year of the Autonicast. <laughs> <laughs>